In the name of the one God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I heard a story once about a little boy who had a gerbil named Jerry. And as typically happens, Jerry the gerbil died, and the poor boy was devastated. But being a good Anglican, the young man insisted on saying the burial office for the recently departed Jerry. So the next day, he put on his dark suit and his bathrobe over top of it, and he gathered his family in the backyard next to a makeshift grave. And as a tear fell down his cheek, the boy lowered Jerry into the ground as he proclaimed, in the name of the Father and of the Son, and in the hole he goes. <laughs> All right, that got a little better laugh at this one than the last service. Well, today we celebrate the Feast of Pentecost, where we remember the coming of the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, as he is more commonly known today. And someone recently asked me what I believe about the Holy Spirit, and my response was that I believe what Scripture says. Now, fortunately for us, the Bible says a great deal about God the Holy Spirit, who he is, and what he does. Today I'd like to focus specifically on what Paul says about him in our reading from 1 Corinthians. Now in chapters 12 through 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul takes, talks a great deal about spiritual gifts and their role in the Christian community. In fact, that famous chapter on love from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I know we love to read it at weddings, but the actual context of that reading is the proper use of spiritual gifts. But like many of Paul's letters, this first epistle to the Corinthians was born out of conflict and division in the church. And unfortunately, one of the divisive issues had to do with the use of spiritual gifts. So often sin results when we take something that God has created for his good purpose and we misuse it as a result of our own selfishness and pride. And although Paul believes that these spiritual gifts have been given by the Holy Spirit, they were being used by people in the Corinthian church as a way to divide themselves from each other and to set up hierarchies and classifications for holiness Paul attempts to set the record straight in chapter 12, and through his discourse, we learn a great deal about not only spiritual gifts, but also about the giver of these gifts, God the Holy Spirit, as well. Now, the first thing we learn about the Spirit in our reading today is that he is all about variety. Starting in verse 4 of our reading, Paul says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Well, this word that we translate as varieties, it refers 
to a different distribution of something where there's no inherent equity or equality within the distribution. And the point Paul is making is that the Holy Spirit does not distribute spiritual gifts equally or in the same way to each person. Some people may receive the gift of wisdom, while others receive gifts of healing or prophecy or even administration. It's also important for us to recognize here that Paul is not giving us an exhaustive list of spiritual gifts. If you do a Google search on the term spiritual gifts, you will get all kinds of hits like, these are the 12 spiritual gifts, or there are only 18 gifts listed. But we need to remember that anytime we see lists, especially in Paul's writing, he is giving us examples. He's not telling us these are the only gifts, but this is just an example of some of them. In fact, if we were to list every spiritual gift that has been given in the past 2,000 years of church history, we would quickly run out of room on the page. After all, the scope and the creativity of the Spirit are far greater than anything that we could ever possibly imagine ourselves. Unfortunately, we have a tendency to want to put the Holy Spirit in a box. We each have our own unique experience of him and his giftings in our lives, but for some reason we then assume that others ought to have that exact same experience. Now I know that there are many people who experience the Spirit in their lives in a deeply emotional way, and that is wonderful. But it doesn't mean that someone else can't experience him in a completely different way perhaps one that is more intellectual or even logical. Now, personally, I've never been an overly emotional guy. I'm typically somewhat subdued at things like concerts and sporting events. And so it's natural that that will carry over into every aspect of my life, including my spiritual life. And yet, there have been people over the years who have told me that I obviously don't have the Holy Spirit because I experience Him in a different way than they do. And not only are assumptions like this divisive within the church, they're also unbiblical. Paul certainly believed in variety when it comes to the work of God the Holy Spirit. And although the Spirit is consistent in his nature, in his character, and in his teaching, he is also infinitely creative in how he manifests himself to us and how he uses us to accomplish his work in the church and on earth. Now, our second truth regarding the Holy Spirit today is that his spiritual gifts are intended for the edification or the upbuilding of the church. In verse 7 of our reading, Paul says, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, this word common doesn't mean ordinary or everyday, but rather it refers to the communal nature of the church. 
And this can be a concept that's really hard for us to grasp sometimes because 21st century Americans tend to be radical individualists. And the modern church has, in many ways, bought into this same way of thinking. And as a result, we often will approach the church as a commodity, looking for what we can get out of it for ourselves, rather than looking at the church as a community, asking what is it that I can contribute to the whole. And it can be easy to regard the Holy Spirit with this same attitude, only looking at what we can get from him for our own benefit. Now, one of the problems the Corinthian church was experiencing was that certain spiritual gifts were being held in higher honor than others. And people were using them as a way to kind of rank their own importance within the community. Paul is clear, though, that the work of God the Holy Spirit is intended to unite rather than to divide. His presence in our lives and the gifts that we have received are never intended to set us apart or make us special, but rather to contribute to the good of everyone in the church. Let me give you an example. Our business manager, Carol Hawkins, has an undeniable gift for administration. She is one of the most organized, detail-oriented people you will ever meet. And anyone on the vestry or on the staff who has dealt with Carol will tell you that. Now, this may not seem like a very exciting gift. We would likely never invite Carol to come forward on a Sunday morning in a worship service to organize something for us. But I guarantee you that whether you know it or not, every person in this parish benefits from Carol's spiritual gifting. Now, at the same time, no matter how much I might enjoy playing the organ, it would benefit nobody here if I were to play it on Sunday morning. I only know like two songs and I can't even use the pedals. You see, it has to, in order for something to be a spiritual gift, it can't just be something that I enjoy doing. It has to be something that is a net overall benefit to the community. It can be far too easy for us to think that the work of God the Holy Spirit is all about me and making me feel special or unique or holy. But in Scripture, God the Holy Spirit always works within the context of the Christian community for the common good. Even in our reading today from Acts, the Holy Spirit does not come down privately upon each individual for his own personal benefit, but he comes to them as a collective whole, descending upon each one of them as part of the community of believers. And this brings us to our final truth today, which is that the Holy Spirit's primary work is to empower us for service. Now, often we hear about the Holy Spirit in the context of worship. And while he is certainly present when we gather together to worship the Lord, he has not been sent by God the Father simply to give us an emotional experience on Sunday morning. 
if he gives us various gifts for the common good, then it only makes sense that his primary work in our lives is to empower us to use those gifts to serve others. In 1 Peter 4.10, it says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, this can certainly be done within the context of a worship service, but never exclusively in worship. As liturgical Christians, many of the things we do on Sunday morning as part of our service are meant to be symbolic of our true work, which is actually done outside these walls. For example, when the deacon prepares the table for communion, it is meant to symbolize how the deacon is called to serve not simply in worship, but also out in the world when our worship service has ended. In Romans 12, Paul lists generosity as one of the various spiritual gifts. And so when we contribute financially to the work of the church on Sunday morning, it is meant to symbolize how we are called to be generous actually the other six days of the week as well. The Spirit manifests himself in here so that we can then be empowered to go and serve him out there. To quote Bishop N.T. Wright, the Holy Spirit came to empower us to be God's life in the world. We are to do the work of God in the world. We are to be God to the world. And we cannot do that alone. As we celebrate today the coming of the Holy Spirit, let us be sure to resist the urge to make him too small or to put him into a box. His work is vast and his creativity is endless. Rather than trying to make the experience of others conform to our own, let us seek to acknowledge and honor the many ways he comes to and empowers our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us seek to understand the gifts we have been given and how they can be used to build up the church while encouraging and supporting others doing the same with their gifts, recognizing that while all gifts will be different, they are all equally valuable and important within the body of Christ. Finally, let us always strive to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not just here on Sunday morning, but out in the world as we serve our fellow human beings and shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the darkness. Jesus has ascended into heaven to be seated at the right hand of God the Father, but God the Holy Spirit has come so that the Lord might be present with us and in us always. His work in us and through us doesn't always look the same, but it is always done for God's glory and for the welfare of the church. And so let us rejoice in the power of the Holy Spirit. Alleluia. Amen.